Jersey is the world. <laughs> Hi everybody, Chris Gethard here. Welcome to another episode of New Jersey is the World. Now, as I'm speaking, I hear that my voice sounds very deep. It's that time of year where if you have a kid who is four, someone in your house is vaguely sick all the time. And you are always getting over something that's sickness. And I clearly have a little something in my throat that's making me sound deeper voiced. This is not an audio effect. This is just what I sound like as I welcome you to a podcast that's a weekly celebration of all things New Jersey, from culture to interesting people to food to nostalgia to history to whatever is going on in Jersey. We like to talk about it. And we've been in the middle of a very epic Halloween month. Um, I think a lot of people would say that Halloween time is Jersey's favorite holiday. I would certainly say that. We've talked a lot about Mischief Night and its omnipresence. In this state, Goosey Night, Cabbage Night, much love to whatever you call it. Wanted to speak to that. The um, Patreon, patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. I do a monthly live stream uh, pretty much every month. There's been a couple months where things have been busy and I've missed them and I do apologize. This month, I'm going to do it next Monday, October 30th. I'm going to do a special live stream where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live stream at night um, in the hopes that maybe some local child will toilet paper my house and I will catch them on the live stream. So we will be having a Mischief Night live stream on the 30th. It's going to be a really good time. I have to thank everybody who's been buying tickets for my show as I play every single county in New Jersey. We are coming up on the end of this tour. Um, we announced a few new shows and happy to tell you that Hillsborough sold out. Thank you so much, Somerset County. Monmouth County has less than 10 tickets left. Um, and I think that one would be sold out, except I have a lot of friends in Monmouth County, as do the bookers of the show, as does the owner of the venue, Flux Modern, who I, we've interviewed on the, store, on the show, Drew, uh, from his store. He sells furniture, so you can come. Watch a show as you sit in vintage furniture, and then if you're comfortable, you can probably just buy the chair you watched the show in. But my guess is that that one hasn't sold out because I, between me and Joe and Brian who booked the tour and Drew, there's a lot of Monmouth County punks who know that they have somebody who can get them in for free. And I want to get you all in for free, but there's only 10 tickets left. I think less than 10 now. And if you're not buying a ticket and I can't get you in, I don't want to hear about it. You Monmouth County punks, you boardwalk freeloaders. I see you out there and I can hear a whole bunch of you giggling right now. Because that show hasn't sold out, which is wild. Because Monmouth County is chock full of my people. And that's my guess. There's a whole lot of you are going to ask for guest list spots. And guess what? I'll do what I can. But if you don't buy a ticket, I don't want to hear about it. Uh, Mount Holly tickets are going well. And we just opened up the last two of the last three, right? We have not announced our Cumberland County date yet, but November 18th, I'll be in Turnersville, New Jersey. November 25th, I'll be in Woodstown, New Jersey. These are of course, uh, Gloucester and Salem counties where I've not spent much time. And these shows promise to be weird. So please, if you are within spitting distance of Turnersville on November 18th, or Woodstown on November 25th. Come on out, because who knows how this tour is going to end as we hit up Gloucester, Salem, and eventually Cumberland, which will be on sale any day now. ChrisGeth.com for all those tickets. Thank you to everybody for indulging me on the show plugs. Been having a lot of fun over there at the aforementioned Patreon. A lot of people have been leaving hilarious comments on the episodes. It's such a good community. We have inched back up to 500 members of the Patreon, which is nothing to sneeze at. So thanks, everybody. Thanks to everybody who's been leaving voicemails at 973-780-4660. Um, thanks to everybody, our friends in Jackson Pines, who really enjoyed us talking about the tradition of neighborhoods that have one house where a rumor spreads that a witch lives in the house. That, that seems to be something that was not just in my neighborhood. That's, that's very good. Um, people informing us that mischief night also exists in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania, a kindred spirit area in New Jersey. So that's not so 
shocking. Um, thank you so much to everybody who enjoyed me ranting about how you track the raisin houses. We're having a good time over there at the Patreon is the point. So sign on up. We would love to have you. And remember, uh, Monday night, Mischief Night, the Turnpike tier, we're doing our Mischief Night live stream where I'm going to monitor my front lawn and see if I can catch any local youth throwing eggs or toilet paper and I'll go and chase them and scream and yell and not actually be mad because that's the Mischief Night tradition. So if there's ever been a good time to join up or to upgrade to that Turnpike tier... Now's the time to do it. Okay, this week's episode, very excited. Of course, Mike D tracks down the coolest people to interview as part of our Halloween uh, month-long celebration. We're talking here with Michael Jasorka. Uh, Mike D is uh, following the true kindred spirit, has a very nerdy love of New Jersey that, that mirrors our own and loves the minutiae and puts the work in. Uh, Michael's a cartoonist and has done multiple works about boardwalk culture and New Jersey in general. And specifically, I, I think Mike got uh, teed up to his work because he recently, uh, last year, released an illustrated rendition of the actual employee handbook that used to be handed out at Wildwood's Castle Dracula, which is just the coolest thing. So, obviously, we needed to talk to him, and Mike D stepped up and did so. Um, I mean, just such cool stuff. If you go to bombshell-comics.com, that's where Michael's work is housed, and you'll see that there's so much stuff that's just straight-up cool, and so much stuff that ties into New Jersey culture, so much stuff that ties into uh, sort of fringe cultures and looking at... Uh, a lot of stuff that crosses over with the same Venn diagram of the way I think a lot of us who are involved in this show and the people who discuss this show in our comments think about our childhood. So what a fascinating conversation with an artist doing really, really cool Jersey-themed stuff. Here is Mike D's conversation with Michael DeSorca. Hey, everybody, and welcome to New Jersey is the World, your favorite podcast about New Jersey. Or maybe not. That could actually be a complete lie. I don't know why I said that. But um, it's October, which means it's our favorite month of the year. And I am really, really psyched to be here with somebody incredibly cool that I want to introduce all of you to, who is Michael Jasorka. Hey, Mike, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. No, I'm I'm really excited, and the reason. So, people who who listen to the show before, one of the things that I that all of us are are personally obsessed with, but me especially, is I love people who make things where they become obsessed with something that on the surface would not seem like you could actually make an entire like piece of art, a series of art out of it. And and we we got in touch not too long ago, and you've created something that I am absolutely enamored with. <laughs> I think everybody who listens to the show is going to feel the same way. So oh, we thanks. can we can dig into the whole thing about how this got started. But you've created a comic book, um, Castle Dracula in Dungeon, the Employees Handbook Illustrated, which is basically your comic book retelling of the Castle Dracula employee handbook. Amaya, is that was that how you would set it up? Yeah, yeah, I would yeah, I would say that for sure. It's a it's a, it's a it's a found discovery gone adaptation. You know, because it is a it is a real pamphlet from 1977 that they used to give to the original cast members. So, if they had any quick questions about anything from what they should wear to where they should be, how they should get to the into the ride, um, you know, all different types of things, and I, and it just it they were they just sung to me as something that could be uh, experienced in a comic form if I can grasp the world enough, and surely I found something that helped me do that. Yeah, th- this is is so much fun to read. So I know what Castle Dracula is. Why don't you explain to people what well what Castle Dracula was? Because I think there might be people who've never heard of this pretty incredible place. It was something that I, I grew up 
And I always knew what it was. I was essentially terrified of this place from the time that I was a small child. Um, so yeah, give us give us the background of what Castle Castle Dracula was. Sure. Well, Castle Dracula was a ride on Wildwoods Boardwalk in Cape May County, of southernmost tip of New Jersey, and um, just basically above the famous Cape May, uh, which is known for its own architecture. Uh, but wild, the Wildwoods have been really synonymous t- to the 1950s because of their motels. And really, the boardwalks have thrived um, alongside of uh, all of great boardwalks in New Jersey, especially Atlantic City. Um, and at times rivaled uh, what was going on there with entertainment, for sure. Um, but uh, of the four piers at the time, um, one of them had a dark ride uh, that was amongst other common you know, boardwalk rides, seemingly. Um, uh, And then you had Castle Dracula, which was a three-story, which two stories were used, um, but but it was built over an old tunnel of love uh, that was from the, 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 basically the 20s into the 30s. And was always just really this, and they changed theme a few times um, before Castle Dracula was built on top of it. So um, it allowed for them to already have a dungeon boat ride, you know, made of this old tunnel of love. So um, it was really ingenuity. It was a lot of artists that came together in the local community. Um, what was amazing about Wildwood is that it really was like a dreamer's kind of world there in terms of uh, the real people that live there, uh, the builders and the contractors and the cement people and all of them were I mean, still some of them are like building golf courses in Southern Jersey. One of them is in his seventies. He used to build a lot of the motels in Wildwood with some of these builders. And so it's a really cool locality kind of thing. That it's a, it's a fun history that plays there. Um, but surely this, the family that ran this uh, pier, you know, had a, had a history, of course, on the boardwalk and running games. And uh, it, they're they're amazing guys, and they're a group of brothers, and they're and they're. Uh, and they really went to, into into this enterprise of this boardwalk together. And Castle Dracula was ran from 1977 to 2002, and was burned down by uh, what were two you know kids uh, playing hooky from school, basically. As as kids do, right? That might yeah. be that would be a very Jersey thing to do when you're playing hooky <laughs> is burn accidentally burn down the local haunted house uh, attraction, and. That's actually one of my favorite parts of the comic is your, I mean, I guess we're skipping to the end of the comic, which I think is fine because people know, we we know that it burns down, right? This is was like a pretty big news story at the time. Like I remember definitely um, reading and and seeing about this. Uh, Yeah. Two two kids. Were were those kids ever, they were caught, right? And punished. You sort of have a cool illustration in the book of them sort of fleeing Castle Dracula in a very like, stereotypical like mustache detective is there with his badge out is that actually what happened yeah yeah apparently he saw them uh he saw them earlier in that um in that time frame and he's thinking you know why would these two boys be out you know not at school this probably was going on in his head and sure enough he starts seeing smoke from the castle and he he was the first one on the scene and caught them coming out so and this you know uh yeah, all newspaper reported, and 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 uh, and really a lot of what I interplaced in that epilogue was uh, that you know the, the the news coverage really just pulled part of really everything that was given, and uh, uh, I kind of played with that and a kind of duality of the story, and it's, it was it was really fun. It was really a blast to make this book because darkinthepark.com really was this, and you guys should check it out. It's an amazing website where they ate this up and they give you everything to all of the different attractions in Castle Dracula. Not only the dungeon boat ride, but the, the, the walkthrough that exists of the castle. And both had to be, you know, fully stocked with employees every summer. And these were kids that were getting pretty lethargic, you know, in these dark circumstances of, you know, having these long hours in the darkness um, where some of them just were going nuts <laughs> being there. And, but they had to make, you know, whatever they could of it. And 
you know, stories can ensue. It's just a, it's just a fun, fun world. And Dark in the Park made it so easy. And I was researching my, my first Wildwood book, which is called The Wildwood Days of Doo-Wop, where I did a story of the motels with a longtime uh, historian from Wildwood who I read his first motels book. And I thought to myself, okay, maybe he'd want to, you know, help me edit my, this book if I can do it. And so, so surely I'm researching a lot about Wildwood and I'm, of course, I'm bringing back my own memories of seeing Castle Dracula, not going in it as a child. I was just seeing it from afar because <laughs> what was interesting about it too, is that it was the only inverted boardwalk at the time. It actually ran in, you know, into the shore, um, instead of out. And, uh, so it was always this just, you know, you'd always look at the skyline and see Castle Dracula when you're looking at Wildwood back then. So it was, a, you know, a piece that you could, you know, you couldn't miss. Uh, and so while doing that, I found Dark in the Park and then, and then every, and then finding the employee handbook on that website was, was really just going, oh my God, there it is. That's the next book to do. And uh, yeah, it was, it took me a year to make it. I think you've so. literally just solved a childhood memory mystery for me just now. Be, I So I remember as, as a kid going to Wildwood, we had family friends there. And in my, in my mind, and I know memory, like memory is a funny thing, right? Especially as you get older and we don't always really know exactly what we remember. But my memory of Castle Dracula is that it was always looming over Wildwood. I felt like it was always kind of just watching you, but what you just said about it having an inverted boardwalk, that makes complete sense why it feels that way. Wow. Huh. huh. Yeah. That's- yeah, it just stuck out, and you couldn't miss it. It's looking at the skyline there. Uh, yeah. It's just... um. And just to hear the stories of like this, just the longtime friendships that were made of that. When I when I found the Facebook page, that was another indicator just to go. Oh, now I have an audience to run these questions by or the rules by, you know, to see how accurate or if, or if anybody really did follow these rules. And finding out that really nobody did, uh, I was kind of like, okay, that I'm often running into setting up these scenes, and and that was just a joy because I just could pair up you know, where these gags could fit in these circumstances of the rules and how you would see them be played out and, you know, or how they'd be broken, of course. So that was, (laughs) as you remember. (laughs) So the way that you set up the comic, and maybe you can explain this a bit. So the comic is set up, um, the pages are basically sort of broken down into two pieces, right? There is like the castle and the dungeon, right? And then what you're saying though is essentially it was two rides, right? There was a a dark ride, which that was the dungeon, which was the old tunnel of love, right? Yeah. And then the castle was like a walkthrough haunted house. So one you rode through, one you, one you walk through. And why'd yeah. you choose to to set the comic up that way to follow those. Cause it took me a second when I was reading it to, to make that connection. But once I did, I was like, Oh, this is great. Oh, awesome. Awesome. The reason being is because they have operate simultaneously. So I, I wanted to make the reading experience experience feel like you were just jumping from floor to floor, um, going in and out of both rides. So, and hopefully I made it clear that when you were in one other enough, you know, and, that was my goal too, just to really always involve the boat in some way or, or seeing the moat or, um, you know, just, but of course the header helped and, and, it, and it sits quietly enough. So <laughs> to tell you that you're there, you know, so yeah, it's, that's, see, these are the, that's the power of comics. Uh, comics have a, there's a, as you probably know in reading them and it's, they have a whole different way of controlling the storytelling like nothing else. And I, it's why it's it's so fascinating. There's so many questions and answers you can make of it, um, and the experience can come in so many levels. And that's that's the t- that's that's what makes it special. And that's why this, this this medium was perfect to do something like this, right? And that's that's kind of what I've been out to do in my last works. And now I'm kind of into that a lot more to think about the metaphysical experience of comics because that's what they, they can do. Or like. They're very fascinating on multi-level story experience, <laughs> as you know, I'm sure. 
Yeah, I am a big comic fan as well. Like I read tons and tons of comics and I have for a really long time. Um, and I think that's because it, it, it be, because, you know, people who create them just do have the freedom to tell the story in a way that you really can't do in something like a book or, or you can't do in a film because of obvious like limitations, um, of, of the medium and like what's actually possible to recreate, recreate visually. Um, one, did you, did you grow up at the shore? Did you grow up at Wildwood? Like what's your Jersey sort of, uh, geography? Well, what's 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 fun about my I, I, my my growing up in New Jersey was that I grew up in really uh, Northwest, um, and so it was really hilly and uh, wooded and uh, very farmlands. You know, my my town Stewartsville, which is named after George Washington's secretary, <laughs> who had a lot of farmland, and that's where I grew up. And I ended up going to Rowan University in Glassboro, in Southern New Jersey which was an earshot to Philadelphia and, uh, the, of course, Wildwood. So, um, but my earliest years and remembering of like vacation was, was, was going to the shore and, you know, I, and I went to a lot of them too over the years, LBI and Point Pleasant and, but Wildwood always stuck out. And, uh, so my, yeah, my, my best, my favorite memories are there. And, um, and I had some touchbacks in college and then uh, I just, you know, I was in LA the last 13 years of my life here. Uh, now I'm in Brooklyn out of reconnecting with uh, uh, someone I knew from high school. And um, yeah, I'm now in Brooklyn and I'm looking at New Jersey subjects again to research now that I'm so close. And it's been amazing to be on this ride with this, um, these themes and playing with it. That's that's funny. Yeah, I'm a, also a former Brooklyn resident of multiple decades, uh, but I'm been back in New Jersey for a little while. When Rad. when did you first actually find the employee handbook? Like, when did this come onto your radar? Right. So again, just you know, for people who, yeah. who haven't seen the comic yet, it is based right on, like you said, on an actual artifact, the actual handbook that was given to like, which I'm assuming were like the teenage kids from Wildwood who worked at this, at this place. Yeah. Apparently the first year staff got it, maybe the second year staff, but you have to remember this ride went, you know, almost 30 years. So this was long out of anybody even knowing about it way, probably way in. So, um, but for someone to have kept it, this woman, her name was Anita Wheeler. She had kept, apparently kept it sometime and, and scanned it, <laughs> took the time to do that and send it to dark in the park. These guys, or these guys scanned it, maybe the live one for, for what I know, but they're two brothers. They've been going, they were wildwood fanatics um, and ride enthusiasts and, you know, dark ride, you know, enthusiasts. And, uh, you know, I, I told them, hey, I'm going to reference you, your website and, and my book. I just want to let you know. And they're like, are you going to have a release party? And so we all hooked up for that. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's just a really fascinating world that to think like people spent not only like one summer doing, they spent like years. <laughs> Some of these people went back and like every summer to work at Castle Dracula and like, you know, eventually became probably management and, you know, all that, that kind of lore that could play into this. It's, it's just, um, I, you know, I would love a great doc on this and, and the people that work there, I think it'd be fantastic. And, you know, I, I hope this book does whatever it can do and to make people three think about you know, New Jersey history too. And, you know, I love this state. I think, I do think it is the world because it's uh, it's got a lot of everything. It's so it's so diverse into its makeup and its lore. And you know, reading you know Weird New Jersey when I was growing up was 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 major part of even just learning about like different counties and stuff. And it was it was a blast just to, just to get into that. And and I still think to it, and I still have ideas from all that world. It's just great. Um, yeah, so it was, it was, a, it was finding that employee handbook and just seeing how charming that whole thing was that this woman scanned it was just like, wow, the, how cool. The rules too, right? Because it's an employee handbook, um, a lot of what you were, you were drawing in the comic and writing about are, are different rules that people would have to follow. One thing that I, I noticed right off the bat was there, 
there seemed to be in the rule book an outsized obsession of the rule makers about like the clothing and the cloak and like the care of this cloak, right? Like it seemed like there weren't really detailed rules for things you think about, like maybe fire safety, but there were pages and pages of rules around like your cloak and washing it. And you know, you won't get your deposit back if it's not cleaned properly. Like that just seemed to me so insane. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, I guess it was a way for them to like save a buck, I guess, you know, and, um, and you know, linen services near the beach were like, you know, they're, they're everywhere. So I think that there, you know, and again, you're talking, you know, major families that have been, were in Wildwood years and like, you know, had a lot of that kind of connection there locally, you know, but especially seasonally as Wildwood goes from like, you know, a town of probably less than 8,000 to 20 or 200,000, you know, in the summertime. So it's, 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 it has a major influx of, uh, the seasonal shift and, um, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. And, and the spirit that gets involved to in that, right? Cause they know it's temporary, you know, time runs out there. And, um, but time is also like, it's, a, it's, it's such a part of the rule book. It's in the rule book. One section is called time. Right. And it's so, right. it's so fascinating. Like it, it, it matters in a business and no matter what kind of business, and especially like something as weird as this and, uh, and how they must've tried to save time, right. To put on makeup, you know, in the, 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 the probably the moments they had to get to the job after how many days doing it on end, you know, I mean, a lot of them worked weekends too, because it was the summer. Like they were, they were kids that didn't have anything going on. They, they do 10, you know, they work, they work eight days a week, you know? <laughs> That's a, a there, there's another great section of the comic. So basically the setup and any, anything where I'm saying the wrong thing, just like, correct me. But so basically what you were saying about time is the rules for employees who, who it seems like all wore some kind of homemade uh, ghoul makeup, basically, right? They wore these robes and, and homemade ghoul makeup, but one of the rules, which is outlined in great detail, is you are not allowed to remove your ghoul makeup in the in the in the locker room or the bathroom. Basically, you you need to leave the premises, and you you draw a very was scene that struck me as so hilarious because I'm sure that this happened. Is you know a, a teenager in full ghoul makeup and a hood is driving away and gets pulled over by a police officer um, wearing the school makeup, which this, this absolutely must have happened. And the cop is like, you work where? You're doing what? Uh, okay. I mean, that's a really hard story for someone, someone to solve. But I can completely imagine this must have happened a dozen times a summer in Wildwood. You nailed it. It was a guy on the Facebook <laughs> that gave us this exact story um i of course you know you know uh expelled upon like what the cop and how the cop was presenting that you know but uh yeah that was given it was given and i was like that's gold i kind of yes. it's just gold because you can't you can't write that you know it's just uh yeah and again it had to happen somewhere <laughs> and surely it did so it's so funny yeah, it was a blast to play with that. Blast to play with these as prompts, you know, and that's because I would give them two panels, really, sometimes four, but really these two panel plays at uh, the sequence and what was happening before and after. And, um, you know, that in itself is, is, a, is an interesting piece of um, graphic nature because you're just getting it in these quick little pieces, right? follow that rule or don't well the, the i mean the joke is so much funnier when you see i mean it's one thing to hear someone tell the story like oh, i had ghoul makeup on i got pulled over but seeing it drawn out makes it really really funny because you can just picture especially if this is happening in the 70s and 80s when i think as a general rule police officers were a lot tougher let's say they were then then they are now a little little more intimidating and uh you know like we all grew up in jersey with with those kind of cops and and then seeing it makes it makes it hilarious um for sure what county were you from again uh, i grew up in essex 
So we had Essex, we had okay, rough, rough um, law enforcement officers where we grew up in Essex. Yeah. Oh wow. And were from often from the town as well, and grew up there. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, yeah, and I mean, even kids that I grew up with, went to high school with, a lot of them ended up. I actually think still to this day work as police officers in, in some of the towns where like myself and, and Geth and, and Nick grew up. So yeah, it was like almost like some of those jobs I think were passed down from, from family member to family member. Yeah. 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 It goes for, I think it goes for my County as well. And where I grew up and it's interesting, um, like a heritage that comes out of that from New Jersey, you know, the policemen and staying in there, you know, their immediate vicinities of where they grew up. And it is a, it's a fascinating thing that happens here. I, I, I imagine other States do too, but it's, it's, you know, it's pretty uh, instituted here. And in it's especially interesting. I think when you think of shore cops, right? Because you, you just gave a rundown of, you know, Wildwood goes from whatever, 8,000 to 200,000 people in the summer. And I think every shore town, right? LBI probably goes from, 2000 to a hundred thousand, you know, like multiples of, of like size growth for four months a year. So you probably have police who for eight months of the year, right? The worst thing that happens is a cat climbs up a tree and then come June, you know, they're, they're dealing with a sense of like a small scale riot every night. Um, you know, it's just a, becomes a whole different thing when you think about like shore, shore policing. Oh, totally, totally. Totally, because the spirit coming there too is all—it's all temporary. It's all temporary. It's all—it's all—it's all—you uh, know—they know it's going to end, but so they get their kicks. You know, it's that's that's the resort life, and it's so fascinating. Well, you're 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 not going to Wildwood to have a bad time, right? No one is <laughs> no one no one is no one is setting out like to go, to go to Wildwood and 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 have a bad time. Like that's not why you go there. Yeah, truly, truly. Well said. <laughs> What's a, uh, I mean, there's a couple other things. In, so yeah. is, am I reading more into it, but there's also a number of rules in the employee handbook around the flashlight. So I, I imagine everyone who worked there, it seems they were required to carry a flashlight, but there's several pages where of, of rules around like what to do with the flashlight or not to do with the flashlight. I mean, what, like, what is going on there? I don't know. Other than like, I think they looked at it like an asset that they can keep and save money by keeping it within the, the business. Like they never, they would loan it and that you know a good sturdy mag light would probably it was it's where i kind of you know illustrated from and reference wise and his look you know you know they are meant to last and uh you know i guess their theory was again to save money you know just keeping them within the business and into loaning out to their, their to their <laughs> employees that they temporarily had and uh i guess i, I would i would i would presume that they probably housed these fla- flashlights in the castle because a lot of that was and and when we had our signing i found out from uh angelo nichols you know one of the brothers that his brother actually lived in castle dracula stop <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, everybody that was there at the it was at the Wildwood Historical Museum. This was this was 2022, and we uh, were surrounded by a lot of fans and of this castle. And we, you know, we were all pleased to see Angelo, and he was there to sign the books and just just gave out stories, and it was amazing. And he he dropped that bombshell, and we were like, "Where do you live?" And he's like, "Well, actually, there was a room, a studio, on the second floor." <laughs> And that's why no one was able to use the second floor, um, and that they never built that out in the castle. But it was built for as, as a studio living space, and I guess he would probably be there seasonally too. Because I can't, but I can't imagine maybe he was there during the winter. Um, but amazing, right? I just like that's just that's incredible. It's just he, yeah, you know, he he's trying to just uh, have a quiet night at home. Maybe he's throwing, you know. Uh, throwing something on the VCR back then, making a little jiffy pop and all years on late is just kids screaming, you know, two feet underneath his, his apartment floor. That's amazing. 
apparently he was a really kind man. I mean, everybody called him like the nicest Nichols. His name was John. And, um, you know, yeah, maybe he'll hear this and I wish him well. And Angela was a, was a joy to be around. He was really nice and he gave a lot of insight. And unfortunately the insight was after like I, you know, ran out, ran off and did my own thing with everything, but he was quite pleased with it, you know, and he was pleased that I drew him and, you know, allowed him to have a, you know, a part in that. And, you know, I think the poignant part, you know, of course, what he says uh, during that uh, that last uh, that news interview he did, um, and he says, "I remember the day, and I'll never forget it." You know, he told me he's like, he said, "He's like you've captured it well." So I was, you know, and I've been fortunate doing these nonfiction books. I have, you know, last couple of them, I've been very fortunate with the feedback I get from, you know, real subjects that I'm interpreting through my eyes and. And it's it's a it's a joy to do that. Well, it's very clear that it's really cool. You're interpreting all the people that that, and there's a couple real people that appear it, it throughout the course of this one. I mean, you're doing it with a lot of love. Like clearly, you you have like a serious amount of just love and see why people you know enjoyed this place existing. Um, I don't think it would be really hard for people to look at this and not. You know, and, th- and think that wasn't your 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 reason for doing this. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, it's almost impossible, though, to talk about Wildwood in general, but without without talking about uh, drugs and alcohol. And there is a very, uh, I mean, right? You know, realistically, Wildwood is is a, and has always been a huge party town. I mean, there's no oh, yeah. no debate about that. But there's a yep. pretty pretty amusing section here where in the handbook they're they're basically saying like yeah you know there's there's no smoking allowed there's no drinking allowed, but it also says there's no dealing allowed which i found really really hysterical because like well you've already said you're not allowed to be doing drugs so isn't it do you really have to call out that you can't deal drugs in uh, dracula's castle <laughs> Like what was going on there? Um, I, you know, like, I guess they had some insight, you know, or foresight. They had foresight because probably they're, you know, the business partners around them. You know, everybody knew each other, and you know, if they they heard a story about somebody dealing drugs, you know, at a penny arcade down the way, then you know, maybe it'd be a good idea to put that in their employee handbook. You know, that's that. It's 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 as simple as that. You know, and I think that. Angela, Angela alluded to that, that they just got together one day and they, they just wrote it out, you know? So this was actually written by the Nichols family? Like they, they themselves actually put this together? Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yep, it's, uh, it's, it's again, it, it, I mean, it's all really thanks to Anita Wheeler. I gave her the first thanks in the book because it's like, she didn't upload them or scan them or whoever did of that employee handbook she kept. I would have never, you know? That idea just wouldn't have maybe popped in my head, you know. I, I don't know, <laughs> but I'm glad it did, and it's been so fun because the people that that love that ride like really just just have a story, and they're always funny and like always interesting, and uh, it's just such a cool piece of history. It for sure it is. I would not have. Th- this is one of one of those you know artifacts that i would not even have thought existed right who who is going to think oh well there there was this you know Dracula's castle everyone knew this haunted house but who's going to think well was there an employee handbook for this <laughs> it's just not a common thing that you, you know you, you, i mean i think that was what what's what's so incredibly interesting to me about this and i sort of you know touched on at the beginning of us of us talking was it's such a small minute thing but it's so fascinating when you dig into it that this is 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 still floating around out there although i imagine your version is much more a million times more entertaining than the original which i doubt had such a great illustration i mean but you're, it's a just a long beloved ride you know it's just there's probably so many there. Like, I just love that this hopefully can paint a picture too. And that's the best thing the comics does. Like in between the pictures that you're given, you start to put the imagery together, you know? And that's, that's another beautiful thing about this form and people that I meet and get feedback from, they like my books in different ways. And it's just like, Oh, that's great. Like, 
they saw it like that, you know, and, or felt it like that. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's really, it's really cool. It's really cool to be a part of this history and, and, and all the nonfiction I've been involved with. And I think it's, uh, it's definitely something I, I'm going to keep doing. Um, especially if, you know, a lot of what I could conceive to it is useful information for people to learn about and, It'd be and to celebrate about uh, American history is is interesting and fascinating. Yeah, I want to talk about I want to talk about some of your, some of your other books as as well too because I think people are going to be really curious about those. I just want to hit on one last thing so so people um, and we'll we'll tell you in a sec where you can get get copies of this um, and the other books as well. But so basically, the comic is broken down into section one. Which is the the actual employee handbook itself, right? You go through that. Yeah, then, Gen- then, general general rules and regulations. Right, <laughs> rules and regulations. Not don't throw your flashlight in the water. Um, you know, make sure you yeah. return the key to the restroom. <laughs> All the important stuff. Oh yeah. And then part the epilogue part two covers the the you know the fiery demise of of the ride itself. What kind of research did you have to do for the second part to put that story together? Well, certainly there was the um, the articles that covered it um, that uh, I found through. There was a, they were called the Wildwood Leader. I think had one which love it already. Was a former local uh, Wildwood newspaper that's long gone now. Um, and uh, yeah, I think there was just a few different accounts or a few different newspapers that covered it enough that I was like, okay. I could get this, and I knew, of course, the entryways to it, um, and uh, I was able just to basically plot a picture to, you know, how they got caught, and to, you know, the theory that they played with fire some way. Some theorized that they lit a torch, and um, it was in that that this torch somehow fumbled, um, and, you know, my... my taking with that was that they would take this torch that they wrapped a t-shirt with um, and then lit and they were going to light a bigger torch that there was these fake torches in the castle and as they were trying to do this this thing broke this post and so the the, the fire that they were holding also fell uh, at the same time their their gas that they were carrying also made this trail and it basically chased them out of a the castle in the book and that was a fun way just to play on you know what could potentially happen and of course at the doorway is opening up is this undercover cop who's saying hey you two <laughs> you know <laughs> i mean it feels it feels that something i might have accidentally done as a teenager because i <laughs> definitely made torches pretty often as a kid, probably because we were so obsessed with D and D growing up. Um, and I definitely was not the most coordinated kid. So there's a very high chance that I might've dropped that torch, uh, somewhere and, and burned it down. Um, Oh yeah, that's, and that was it, right? Once, once it burned down, that was it, right? There was no sort of plans of reopening, recreating, right? It was sort of a, a, a unique place that couldn't really be remade. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, um, the modern, uh, you know, uh, material cost of materials also is just, it's on a way different plane now to build something like that. Like then it was then, you know, um, so not only that, but the, uh, the, uh, the plans to build it were in the castle. They got burned up. So, you know, yeah, it was just, and, and all the people that, you know, of course, made it are long gone and were involved, involved with making it are long gone. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a sad tale in that, you know, but nothing ever lasts forever. And boy, you know, that ride had a long ride, you know, if you look at it from 77 to 2002, I think it went longer than a lot of people thought. Um, and you know, there's, <laughs> I'll tell you as deep as I got, there's theories of, you know, espionage and all this stuff around how this castle went up in flames and it wasn't these kids, and, huh. you know, that the sprinkler, the sprinkler system was turned off on purpose and all these different, you know, so, but that becomes of, right, of story. Uh, we, 
you know, we get to see how it changes. <laughs> but but it's cool. It's it's so fascinating, right? <laughs> and anytime something burns down in New Jersey, the first reaction is oh no, but the second one is oh somebody did that for the insurance money. So that that I feel is just a I mean, anything I've ever heard of catching in fire, even things that I assume have no insurance value whatsoever. Somebody is always like, oh, you know, they burnt that down on purpose. I'm like, that's a hot dog stand. It can't be insured for more than you know, $500. This is not going to – nobody's getting rich off this fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So just um have you ever been to the Coney Island one? They have a dark ride in Coney Island, which is pretty cool and still running. And it's um, you know, a lot of the I'm not sure, I don't think animatronics is the right word because they're not quite that advanced, but but the the spooky monsters inside. Um, a lot of those are really, really old and were taken from other dark rides at Coney Island that closed over the years. Wow. And they just started all like putting them into the one that's still open there. It's a pretty, pretty neat one to go into. I will definitely do it. You know, right now my eyes and my eyes of history are on Cyclone, you know, the, the roller coaster. I think it's so fascinating, you know? Oh, yeah. That replaced the first roller coaster ever. Yeah. You know, ever seen. <laughs> which is so fascinating and if you see pictures of that look up pictures of the first roller coaster in coney island it is absolutely amazing was it the thunderbolt see those photographs I forget, you know there was no it had a had a um it had a unique name to it uh the inventor's name was in it it's called the switchback railway huh Take a pic- yeah, look up pictures of that, that it's, really, it's fascinating i can tell you my um my favorite cyclone story, which was related to me, I, I used to spend a lot of time at Coney Island. I lived right, right up the road from it. Um, right. And and one of the the workers that I, I wouldn't say was a friend, but just someone that I had chatted with a number of times over the years, so we would always just kind of go back and forth. And he told me this wasn't that long ago. I'd say this is probably in the last like fifteen years or so. One day the the cyclone goes up, you know, and it gets to the top. And as it goes down the first hill, the entire roller coaster grinds to a halt, just stops. And they can't figure out why. And they have to call um, the ESU, the emergency services unit, which are if the the New York police department needs police. It's who they call. So they go and they climb up the tracks and they put some ropes up and they're able to, to bring everyone safely down by walking them down the tracks. But it takes a couple hours and, you know, people are understandably very scared. It's not a great experience for anyone, but they get the people off and they start to investigate why the ride has stopped. And what they found was someone riding the ride was wearing a wig. And when they went over the first hill, his wig flew off, wrapped around the axle of the cyclone, and jammed the cyclone. So it was actually a man's wig was all it took to stop the cyclone from um, from going down. I always think wow. about that story. I'm like, wow, if a wig can stop a roller coaster, that's pretty wild. Great, great New Jersey folklore right there. <laughs> or New York, rather. That's excellent. Yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. Wow, favorite story. Wow, because yeah, because the yeah, because it was a ride bef- prior to it that the that the uh, wig fell off. So when their ride was up, it was on the track, and it caught while they were coming. What, maybe cranking up or? Yeah, I guess just like going because it was at the uh, like just about to go over that initial drop, right? As like the I think they're called dogs, those little like wooden pegs that bring you up to the the top of the first hill, and that was that was it. <laughs> Their whole thing grinds to a halt. Wow! Well, wow! Um, Amazing! <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is I think this is actually if you've ever the movie Annie Hall. They they show this a little bit, but there was. Um, when I first lived near there, another second roller coaster called the Thunderbolt, which was no longer open, but there was a there was an actual home, literally an actual house built underneath the Thunderbolt roller coaster, and there was an an older woman who lived there named May Timpano, and she had been living there for a long, long time. At one point, I think like her husband was the original owner of the site and the roller coaster, but it's pretty wild. Like she was living underneath the roller coaster for. 20, 30 years until eventually the city 
uh, made her move out and, and tore down the Thunderbolt. So wow, you were around yeah. to know her and and talk to her too. So it's she. She was she was gone, but I I have friends who who knew her. So no, I didn't personally know her, but I but I remember the house wow. being there definitely, um, and Whoa. and knew the story. So yeah, but it was an underground house, you said, right? How, or no, was there any, was there a it was oh okay, right under the roller coaster. It, imagine someone just took a it was under the roller took coaster. a whoa. I'm sure there must be tons of photos that exist of this, but someone just built a nice little home. And stuck it right underneath the roller coaster. Um, pretty, pretty wild. Oh my god! I'm gonna look that up. That sounds amazing. I'm sure. Um, wow. Yes. Great. Since we're ranging all over, um, yeah, I, I know you've got a couple of other nonfiction books. I'd love and that are Jersey focused too. Like I would love to get the get a little bit of those going too, because I think those yeah. people would be really into those topics too. Well, yeah. So while I was researching the Wildwood Days of Duop, which is about the architectural movement of all the local, basically local uh, carpenters from the area, decided that they're going to mimic. What was going on in Florida and, and you know, all their sky rise uh, resort getaways um, that were, were really deemed hotels. Um, but, but because of, you know, uh, Garden State Parkway being built in 1955, it really brought the automobile to come down to Wildwood much easier uh, prior. And really, those cars and the people that owned them wanted to have a close relationship. So the motel really came to be. Uh, and really was really seen there in a huge explosion. So t- when I was researching this book, of course, a lot more of my memories of Wildwood came back. And I remember meeting a gentleman that I actually re-met now as I was coming back to Wildwood researching that ran an old game, even back when I was young and walked into this game parlor. And it's called Fascination. It's a roll ball game, and it's ski ball, basically, but you're seated, and you're playing against the public, and you're shooting balls into a 25-hole matrix that also has a digital matrix display on a mirror back glass in which you can see everyone you're playing at the same time as you're playing, and you're rolling these balls in to get five in a row, like bingo. And it's been around since the World's Fair, uh, into the 1930s, 1934 wow. World's Fair, it debuted and really went to these a lot of boardwalk towns and beach towns. Um, so there was one in Seaside Heights. There were one. There was one in Point Pleasant. There's one. Of course, there was there was three in Wildwood at one point apparently, and um, it just was like a game like Skillo. Do you remember here? Ever hear of Skillo? I've not heard of Skillo. Apparently Skillo was. What is Skillo? Apparently that was another big, another big boardwalk game. It really involved, it, it was a, a, a chip playing game, kind of like a bingo. Huh. And you use multiple boards and um, yeah, and a big wheel. So it had a number wheel. Very interesting. But Randy, this, this guy that I'm meeting again, he's still the MC of this game because finding out more about his story is that he's this just this savant with, uh, with a me- mechanical engineering. And he's been keeping this game going uh, because he fell in love with it when he was a kid and was such a good player on all these boardwalks that he developed a relationship with all the boardwalk fascination owners who some of them were retired mobsters and they were getting away from, you know, that world by going into amusements. And some of these were brothers. A lot, oftentimes there are brothers that were running these, these parlors, but they always knew Randy as this great player who was essentially stealing money at the end of the day and, you know, taking everybody else's money that would come into their, 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 their fascination parlors. But he also had two family or two folks, you know, his parents that were like so supportive of him to acquire these machines slowly as he's young. And he ended up basically rescuing a lot of these fascination machines. And today he's running a retro arcade in Wildwood and he wrote a biography about his life um, and amusements and fascination. I was able to really read that and begin to build a timeline from that with also interviewing him many times about 
how things fell into play and uh you know again going into like working comics as an experience all its own i, I made fascination into this uh, basically you're experiencing uh, the story of Randy's life, Mr. Fascination, through the gameplay, as if you're playing the game. So it's, it plays on this really cool uh, way to learn about how this game is played while you're experiencing his story and how he rescued it. Basically, it's, he's doing a noble deed for the public because uh, it's a game that is so much fun and the history behind it is really interesting. And he's a fascinating guy and uh, and an icon in Wildwood for many years. And I met him meeting him about probably 11 or 12. I walked over to his parlor and the place just blew me away. People were smoking in there at the time. You know, this is, you know, and, and they're all different types in there. And everybody's playing rolling balls and he's on the mic. And I was just so taken back. I was like, wow, this is like so cool. I, I can't wait to get like old enough to like play that. I felt like it was an older adults game, you know come to find out like kids adore it and they were filling this place at night and you know i overlooked it in wildwood when i was so young so yeah it's funny how and it's just funny how it all falls into play <laughs> that's amazing so not only is he running the game but he also i imagine to keep something that was created in the 1930s working that that must be a full time job on its own, right? I mean, you can't. It's not. You, you can't just go to the hardware store and buy parts. I'm, I'm assuming, right? So this must be an incredibly huge thing that he's doing to just keep this operating at all. Totally, you said it. I mean, there's apparently there's a wire system that's like ungodly underneath this machine, and the way he has it, he has it set up like a double decker. So the deck, the second deck, is a little higher. Um, than the first deck, and uh, yeah, he's he has off season hours. I highly encourage it for New Jersey, uh, you know, residents to check it out because it's so cool. Um, and it's worth a wildwood visit. It's at the Retro Arcade off Magnolia Boulevard and the Boardwalk. I'm absolutely going to <laughs> to check that out. I mean, this is yeah, the kind so. of thing. Yeah, this is the kind of thing that that I I personally love all this stuff. Um because it I I worry sometimes um when, you know, the the Randys of the world are not around anymore to take care of this. I I I really love pinball. I've always loved pinball um since I was a kid and my and I know it ebbs and flows and sometimes it's cool for a year or two, but I worry about pinball because when you talk to people who are into it, the biggest problem is is similar to this is nobody knows how to fix these things anymore. There, there's a very small number of people who still really like can properly fix a pinball machine, especially the older ones that don't have um, all the solid state parts. I mean, that, yeah, that, that stuff is, is sad when it goes away because there's definitely something special and worth, worth keeping about those things. hundred percent. And as you've probably seen, I've, you know, I reflect upon a little bit of that in a book called destroy centaur, which is about the Bally game, uh, from 1980. And, uh, you know, the characters from that. So being so iconic in my story actually, you know, come to be in the future, uh, because bioengineering is like already happening. They're taking things that were created, you know, from the commercial ism world into real beings in my book. And so they come back to earth <laughs> to play all the leftover centaur machines as their way to like, like let go of like, you know, their life. And um, so I played upon this, <laughs> this whole theme because it's so, it is, it's so fascinating. Like this is a, these were these are relics that are like made of you know of dust <laughs> yeah 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 it's cool it's really cool it's it's special it's really special it's in new jersey was such a state for manufacturing you know you know the whole diner diner manufacturer capital world and you know and of course new york uh, american machine and foundry um, so I did a book about uh, finding an old American machine and foundry bike on a rooftop in Philadelphia, and they ended up owning Harley Davidson in 1969. So my, my bike is from the, what's called the muscle bike era. And so 
muscle bikes were the bikes that were made to look like motorcycles <laughs> for kids that were going to get old enough they would buy a motorcycle and so they you know really they they really disappeared into bikedom because of bmx world bmxing kids would take these you know these five speed three speed bikes that had shifters that were outlawed by 1974 <laughs> off dirt jumps and break them and basically no repair to these japanese made you know parts but sure enough i find one on a rooftop uh you know a year after i get out of rowan university in 2008 on my friend's rooftop and sure enough I'm finding the course the serial number there's one man that has all the serial numbers of all these bikes out and i think he's in like wisconsin or something and he was able to tell me information he was enter he was able to send me a catalog and uh he gave me a condition report which was pretty fun that's cool um so yeah so you know beginning to kind of like get into my more immediate world has been really fun and i'll, I'll get back to more of that too and New Jersey is, 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 is it was really fun to grow up in the north and actually go to school in the south because there was a south had a whole different way of like how people were coming there and getting to know it and you know there were a lot of new North Jersey kids at Rowan but a lot of who are meeting were, were south and or even just like big Philly you know kind of kids and yeah. it, it it was uh, an interesting locale for, for, and, and we had surfers, you know, of course, yeah, which were all short, you know, the short kids. So it was cool. It was cool. It was a great perspective to learn. And actually, I, it was an RA for a few years there, too. And so I, I want to plan to reflect on some of those days. What, uh, coming up. what do you have? What, what are you working on now for your next next project or two? Or at least one you you're, you want to talk about? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing one last Wildwood book because I, you know, Everybody's saying, "Hey, you know, what would it be?" And I say, "Well, I guess it's it's got to be the tram car. <laughs> the tram car is just uh, it's yeah, it just turned seventy five down there, and people adore it. And there's there's really cool stories around it. And um, I think I found a way to like a fun way for people to experience it in a comic. So it's uh, it's gonna be cool. It's gonna be real cool. And so we'll have a release party. I don't know about next summer. We'll see if my life's been on the move and on the go. I was just recently married and we've moved twice in a year and just a lot going on. So, but if it's not next summer, it'll probably be the following that we release that. And yeah, I'll make sure you guys know. And, and you know, this is, uh, it's just, a, it's a fun ride to go through Wildwood. Cause it's just, it's nostalgia and I'm a huge fan of nostalgia and I think it's fun in comics. No. It's a great way to go back. Yeah, me too. I mean, I love, I, I, I mean, just the way we're talking about, so we both have a love for like a lot of the same kind of minutia of new, new Jersey is the, so the yeah. best way for people to see all your work is at bombshell hyphen comics.com, right? Yep. They can go there and see everything. And then um, I know you said Barnes and Noble online, Amazon, Right, you can you can also get those. Yeah. You can type in Castle Dracula and and Dungeon yep. um, by Michael Jasorka. I imagine if they punch your name into all your books, will come up there as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Those the hard covers are really available all there, but then if you want to get the soft covers, they're all through my website. So, yeah, yeah. My Instagram is bombshell underscore comics, and you can see what I'm doing on there and keep up with uh, what's coming and where I'll be. <laughs> nice yeah yeah i just want to really thank you um Dude, thank you i mean i i sincerely am absolutely in love with this book i had so much fun reading it the the last awesome. two days i just you know and i can't and actually i can't wait to read the other ones now um as well and i imagine i'm very looking forward to your next book so you can come on again and we can chat more about all the same weird stuff um that we're both kind of obsessed with because that's that's nice why i'm loving your show yeah that's why i'm loving your show for sure you guys are represented it's so awesome it's really cool no i want to say thanks for coming on yeah thank you and we will thank you so much and we'll talk again soon okay great take care bye guys Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Editor-in-Chief Carson, Colonel, Cop, here to wrap up the episode and send it off to you all. Who the hell does not love a Mike D interview? It was a real banger. I have not yet read 
uh, Dracula's Castle, but I hope to soon. I'm going to pick up a copy as soon as I finish this recording. Coincidentally, um, I used to work at Dracula's Castle in a manner of speaking because uh, that's what I used to call Irving Plaza, legendary New York City venue, uh, when I would pick up shifts there. And uh, I would inevitably um, injure myself badly every time I worked there because it's a haunted, dilapidated mansion made of old, petrified wood and sharp edges of metal. And that's everything uh, that you can find there. But what is life without ambiguous scars and bruises and bone fractures? Hey, where's he going with this, ladies and gentlemen? Well, you know where I'm going with this. I am here to encourage you to bang the line at 973-780-4660. Leave us a message on our Google voicemail account about anything and all things related to the greatest state in the nation, New Jersey. But this month, as it is not yet Halloween, a scant, I guess, what is that going to be? Since it's nine days now, I believe that would be eight days if it's if this episode is indeed dropping tomorrow. Eight days, ladies and gentlemen, to phone it on in. And after we uh, meticulously vet all of your... Uh, voicemails. Anything that passes the line will be featured in an upcoming episode of the Garden State Gagoots. And for the uninitiated, that is a show on the Patreon feed exclusively uh, where all the hosts from all the shows on this lovely little network that we call New Jersey is the World get together and reply to your left voicemails. Sounds like fun, right? You should check it out. You should head on over to patreon.com and sign up for a subscription where you can find the Garden State Gagoots behind a measly paywall. Now, the fun part. You can find us on Instagram at New Jersey is the World. You can find us on the greater internet at NewJerseyIsTheWorld.com or you can find us on Patreon.com after searching for New Jersey is the World. Or you can sign up for a subscription that grants you access to a bunch of extra, extra, read-all-about-it cool shit. Speaking of cool shit, we have merch at belowthecollar.com after searching for Chris Gethard. That's about it, ladies and gentlemen. You know the deal. Call, call, call. Listen, listen, listen. And support, support, support. We're here for you. You're here for us. We're all here for each other here in New Jersey is the world where New Jersey is the world. I'm going to move it.